Hi, I'm Jacqueline. And I'm Courtney. And this is Caffeinated Crimes. I love when Courtney doesn't realize I'm recording and we start recording and then Courtney's talking about her eyeball. So I'm talking about my swollen eyeballs. <laughs> Oopsie. Uh, my daughter also loves talking about her eyeballs because she loves that word and she just wants to point out her eyeballs and your eyeballs and the dog's eyeballs and stick her fingers in everyone's eyeballs. And it's I was a good about time. to ask, is it like a just points or like, hi, here's your eyeball. My it's finger's like, in your eyeball now. Yeah. It's like, let me dig my finger into mm-hmm. your eyeball and pop it out the other eyeball. You know? <laughs> yeah. uh, sorry, girl, you cannot touch my eyeballs. Yeah. That's hard line for me yeah we we, <laughs> we try to point at eyeballs from like at least you know two inches away would would be um preferable there but yeah. um merry christmas week as you guys mm-hmm. are listening to this we are full-on in the holiday swing in the holiday spirit right now and you guys are hearing this the week of christmas so hope you guys are ready for some holiday fun some family time good food you know all the all the good holiday stuff have you finished your christmas shopping yet You got five days. Future Jacqueline probably has not. So I don't know about you all, but. I can't say much. I've been slacking a little bit. So. Yeah. I mean, I have most of like the, the, you know, people done kind of. (laughs) (laughs) I got lucky because our our friend group decided not to give gifts and instead do a trip. So that's, but now, of course, I start seeing everything that would be perfect for everyone. And I'm like. Of course. (laughs) Just make a mental note for birthdays and be like, I'll just save that for (laughs) at least Tiffany's is soon. So that helps. So you can, you can go ahead and get hers. (laughs) I know. I think I already know what I'm getting her for her birthday. I won't spill it on here, but I think I already know. So I'm trying to. I have only bought Christmas presents for my daughter and no one else. But I don't have a ton of people to shop for. Um, Andrew and I are hit and miss on whether or not we do presents. And we decided not to do presents this year because it's some other stuff going on that we're going to be doing. Um, and both of our families draw names now. So, like, we each have one person. Per- so, we have, like, four mm-hmm. people plus children. So, I guess I still have a lot of shopping to do, actually. But... <laughs> Yeah, it's the children. The children get you every yeah. time. Um, but yeah. thank God for an Amazon wish list. <laughs> <laughs> Those help a lot. <laughs> Those help so much. If you're ever, I actually saw a girl post like on Instagram and be like, is it insulting to make an Amazon wish list? And I literally mm-hmm. responded and was like, as the childless friend of a lot of mothers, <laughs> please, dear God, make an Amazon wish list. <laughs> please see like i always feel weird about like sending the list like unsolicited because it's like Mm -hmm. i know our family is going to be getting her stuff for christmas i'm like i have a list but like i don't want to send it unless you ask for it because then it's like oh i want you to get these things and i'm like no i just have ideas like if you need ideas so like if anyone asks for it i'm like oh yes here you go check it out but i feel weird being like oh if you need an idea here you go because then it's like oh no i feel like one i'm telling you to get her a present and two i'm mm-hmm. telling you what presents to get and i'm like neither of those are true but like i don't know if you need idea i don't know i feel like if people yeah. need ideas they'll ask so i just wait i always yeah i always ask because like yeah. ashton i think had that too like she usually makes a facebook event for like birthday parties and mm-hmm. she was like is it weird to post the amazon wish list and i was like no just post it just yeah. post it and like she said, like, you don't have to bring a gift. If you need an idea, here's an idea, like, yeah, whatever. And I'm like, personally, for me, I'm like, send it, send yeah. it because <laughs> I don't know, like kids interests change so much. And like, mm-hmm. I don't know what they have and what they don't have. Like, oh, you love Bluey? Well, you probably have every single Bluey toy from Target. I don't know which ones you yeah. don't have. 
and then you're gonna have duplicates. <laughs> so, you know, it's just, it's, it's easier. It's yeah, easier. I did. I saw this lady on TikTok that was like, basically upset about people asking her like what her kids want for Christmas, because she's like, I don't need to do my shopping and your shopping. So she's like, just like pick something like I don't want to have to like, do the mental work for you to tell you what to pick and like literally every single comment disagreed with her and they were like no please ask me what my child would like because then i'm getting Mm -hmm. stuff that they already have stuff that they don't like stuff that's not age appropriate for that like please ask me for ideas (laughs) yeah that's the thing i'm just gonna have to throw it away if it doesn't you know and it is so hard too because like you go to the store and you're like oh well this is for this age group but like ashton before has been like sometimes i don't even look at that like sometimes it doesn't matter that much exactly but then sometimes you get something in the age group and it's like well my kid's a little bit more advanced than that and had that five months ago so i'm like well i don't want to go spend 50 dollars on a toy and then you'd be like oh thanks we've been playing for this for a year (laughs) and a half right so and like i know a lot of parents too might be like please don't get my children any more toys like mm-hmm. get them clothes or a book or something like yeah and that's the thing is like if you just leave people to their own devices like you're just gonna get a bunch of like repeat shit and maybe mm-hmm. shit that your kid's never gonna use and then you just wasted someone's money by being yeah. like don't ask me <laughs> yeah exactly because i mean like people want to get like intentional gifts like they don't want to just mm-hmm. be like oh just here's like oh i just got this random thing here you go it's like no like people want to make sure they're getting something that people like and enjoy and yeah. like you said it's different with like adults because your interests kind of remain the same you know over mm-hmm. time or like you talk to them enough to know like if they have a new interest or whatever but with kids like it changes so much that's like the parents are the ones who know what their kids are into or like you said like what their capabilities are like if they if you should follow this age range or oh maybe they're not quite ready for this yet or maybe they're ahead of this or you know it's or just, maybe so we want variables. this now to have it for two months from now like exactly we want it for the future like yeah it's it's really hard especially i mean i feel like even people with kids like you know your kid but you don't know the other person's kid exactly so it's like, i don't know exactly. what they want like my I kid loves love elmo. a suggestion idea like, yeah <laughs> <laughs> that kid hates elmo like i don't know <laughs> i also oh wanted to point out when i went on to hbo max last night i saw um elbow elmo saves christmas <laughs> and i was like andrew three guesses on who's watching this <laughs> i'm at heaven <laughs> Who there you guys is who's watching it? <laughs> like, who is watching Elmo on our HBO <laughs> Speaking of that <laughs> Elmo, so we watched the new, there's like an Elmo Tango um Nutcracker special that like just came out like this last week. Um so we were watching that one, and then like after and it was like I don't know, 20 minutes or something. You know, it's a short little. So like after it ended, it like popped up like a, you know, the suggestions of things you may like. And it was Elmo Says Christmas from 1996. And I was like, oh, let's watch this. And let me just say, Cookie Monster has had a glow up. I mean, he was looking <laughs> rough in 96. <laughs> Poor guy. He was, I know. They made him like not great. He was just they, like sunken in. Like he's he's yeah. like filled out now and he looks he looks much better. Um I also was slightly horrified because at one point um Elmo uh, or like Santa like gets a bunch of cookies and Elmo was like, Oh, my mom said that cookies make you fat. And Santa's like, Your mom's right. And I'm like, Oh, Oh, oh that's God. Oh, what yeah, we're telling children in 96. That's why we all grow up with right? body image issues. All exactly. of us 90 babies all have exactly. fucked up Cause, issues. Because he started saying like, oh, my mommy says too many cookies. And I was like, oh, he's going to say, give him a stomachache. And he said, make you fat. And I was like, and then Santa's like, you're right. And then I was like, what is happening? Santa, don't say yeah. that. I'm surprised Ooh. they haven't found a way to like edit that. Yeah. Since. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, wow, this is just uh we went off on the long, rails here. Long tangent there. At least it um, was holiday themed, I guess. So 
Yeah, um, I don't think we have any true crime updates that I have seen this week, at least. Um, So I do follow someone on Twitter who is kind of still talking about like the um, Idaho stabbing that we talked about last week with the four students. But yeah, so it seems like they're really trying, like they're receiving a lot of tips about it. So hopefully there will be an answer in that very soon that we can get you guys. Um, We are kind of recording ahead a bit. So if it happens like late December, you'll hear about it from us in January. So yes, like (laughs) usual. (laughs) But yeah, I can't think of anything else um, really at the moment. So we'll go ahead and get into this um, episode. Um, And our sources for this one were a, the Cinemaholic article and also Homicide for the Holidays, Killing of the Christmas Tree Farmers, which is season four, episode three, which is a great show, but I still just don't love the name. Um, Yeah, just not the best uh, vibe we're going for, you know? Has great information though. Interviews the families. Very great, but don't love the name. Um, So... Ethel Washington is a small city in Lewis County. Um, So in 1985, it was the type of town where like kids would ride their bikes everywhere. People kept their doors unlocked. Everyone knew each other. It was pretty rural and just had like a lot of farmers. So like people were like, you just never locked your door because there was no reason to. Um, There were quite a few Christmas tree farmers. And so at Christmas, it was just really magical in the town. Like the whole town decks out for Christmas um, they just really go above and beyond. And so Ed and Wilmenia, or she went by Minnie Morin, were beloved members of the communities, and they also sold Christmas trees. And they were pretty well known in the community, and they had a lot of friends and a very large family, and their family still lived in Ethel as well. So Minnie actually had children from her first marriage to Aloysius George Hadler. He went by Louie. I can see why, because that's a a big first name a mouthful of a name yeah can you you imagine a four-year-old trying to say his name yeah like they couldn't um but louis had died in 1958 at the age of 59 and ed and minnie married in 1961 so ed and minnie would often host like events on their 120 acre farm especially around the holidays And on December 19th, they'd planned on having a Christmas get together at their house. So it was like a ladies church group and they had a monthly luncheon. So the December luncheon was going to be at the Morin house and it was scheduled for around noon. And so people began to show up, but like no one was home and the Morins were very dependable and punctual. So everyone was just kind of very confused when no one was coming to the door. So they were like, what's going on and like the door was locked which they were also like why they locked their door they never locked their door like this is weird yeah Um, like we don't we don't do that here yeah (laughs) so after a few minutes passed the luncheon members were getting very concerned and contacted family members so family members did get involved um again like i said the door was locked which was unusual so the family then went to a side window in the back to gain entry and they actually broke a pane so they could like unlock the window and get inside So they were inside the house for a while, just kind of like looking around for anything. And whenever the time for the party passed, they just had a feeling something was wrong. So Ed and Minnie's car was also missing from the house. And so they were like, did they go to the store or to church? Like, did they get confused on where the luncheon was or did they go pick something up? Um, And so the family started calling like other family members to see if they heard from them. Like, 
you know, did they go out to the store and get in a car accident and they're in a ditch? Like what's, what's happening? Something's not right here. Um, and later that evening, they did call a sheriff's office to report them missing. And just after 6 p.m., the sheriff's office responded to the call. So they did do a walkthrough of the home and some things were just kind of out of place. Like it wasn't like ransacked, but things just weren't exactly where they should be. Um, like, for example, Minnie's purse was found behind the couch with a newspaper laying on top of it. And the family was like, she took her purse like wherever she went. Like if they did leave to go somewhere, like she wouldn't have left her purse here. And Ed's watch was also found in the bedroom on his nightstand, which was another item that they were like, they wouldn't leave the house without. Like he always wore his watch, especially when he went out. And in the bathroom, there was a box of bank statements that was like opened up and on the floor between the sink and the bathtub. Um, Obviously, this is not where you normally find bank statements. That's not some light bathroom reading, you know, not really usually keep those. (laughs) Um, And so these few things are odd, but the house overall wasn't disturbed. Like there's no signs of a break in or robbery. Um, And the officers really didn't believe there was like a crime yet. They were like, Ed and Minnie probably just got confused or they got their dates mixed up. Um, And officers did go driving around for miles because they were like, you know, maybe they did drive off the road or get into an accident and we just need to find them. You know, they're an older couple. Maybe something happened. And they were searching the back roads, the trails, the lots, the hospitals. There was no sign of the couple. And again, this is a very small, like tight-knit community. So this was a big deal with like Ed and Minnie missing. Like it's a very big deal in a small tight-knit community like that this would happen. So since their green car was still missing, they put out an APB through Washington State. And the next morning, people had heard on the radio that they were looking for the couple in their car, and a person at the Yardbird Shopping Center called in and said a car matching the description was parked there. So at the time, Yardbird was like a really popular store. It's kind of like Walmart today, basically. So officers were able to confirm the car did belong to Ed and Minnie. So obviously, they're like, okay, maybe their car just broke down. They hitched a ride. You know, nothing too bad yet. I'm like um, still hoping wind- that there wasn't like a huge deal that just like, okay, something's just kind of off. And mm-hmm. yeah. Um, and so the windows have been frozen over. So they did like clear them off to look inside and the front seat was empty, but there was a lot of blood within the car. Um, and the driver's door wasn't locked and they found the keys in the ignition. So they popped the trunk because they were like, there's a lot of blood in this car. They're missing. I guess we got to look in the trunk. But the trunk was empty, thankfully for all the yard bird people who were shopping in that parking lot that day. Yeah. So once they started to investigate inside the car, they did see the significant blood and a red blanket on the seat. They also saw a man's hat and a woman's white shoe. Um, And they also looked under the blanket and saw even more blood underneath it. Um, And they also found shotgun shells inside the vehicles. And there were cracks in the windshield on the passenger side. So they're like, there's been at least two shots like in this vehicle. And they believed that both the driver and passenger had suffered from gunshot wounds, but they didn't know, like, based on the amount of blood, like, are they still alive or are they dead at this point? Um, And again, still, where are Ed and Minnie? So, like, their house is empty, their car is abandoned with blood, but where are they? 
So once the car was in evidence, they did process the car for fingerprints, but they did not find any. And on the afternoon of December 20th, they prepared to search and process the house. So they did secure the house and began processing, again, hoping to get a few fingerprints that could produce a lead. Um, so they also started to like reevaluate the circumstantial evidence. Um, so they were like looking um to see what else was kind of out of place based on family statements. So Ed and Minnie usually had the blinds open and like Christmas tree lights on. So people driving by could see it, but the blinds were closed, which they said wouldn't typically be how they would have it. Um, So they're like, did someone like close them? So nobody could see inside. And they also found more bank statement statements in a fireplace clean out, which is like outside of the house. So they did contact the local bank And the local bank did say that Ed and Minnie were in there withdrawing the money the day they disappeared. So Ed had contacted the bank around 10 a.m. on December 19th, and he was asking to prepare a withdrawal of $8,500 in cash, which is like $23,000 today. So a big amount of money. Yeah, that's a, a large amount of money to just need suddenly. Yeah. So they arranged for him to come at a specific time, which was about an hour later. Um, So Ed told the teller he was helping a family member purchase a car and that's why he needed the cash. So detectives contacted the family and they're like, we don't know what you mean. Like nobody was buying a car. They weren't helping anyone. Um, And so now investigators are like, okay, it's likely someone made them go to the bank and withdraw that money. Like this is probably the motive is money. So investigators are searching this lead and friends and family are like continuing to search everywhere for the couple, everyone in the community still searching for them. Like it's still been a few days they are still missing. And then on Christmas Eve, police got a phone call from someone who'd been out on a logging road. Um, He said he found something big. He thought it was a mannequin in the ditch. So he approached it and then realized it was actually the body of an elderly female. So police responded immediately And at first they only saw one body. So they weren't really sure if it was like the Morins because they're like, we would expect to find them both if it was Minnie. Um, But they did notice on her body, like a wound that would likely have been from a very violent shotgun blast. And they did see a blood trail that went up about 29 feet to like a blood pool. And they discovered some false teeth, a pair of glasses and a comb. So they followed the roadway and it did lead to another body. And this was a male victim. Um, their clothes had been risen up on their body, so it looked like they'd been drugged there. And they did find a white tennis shoe, similar to the one in the Morin's car. And at this point, like, police are pretty positive they had found the bodies of Ed and Minnie Morin. And it did look like they had been shot from a shotgun from behind, both in the neck area, and both were killed instantly. Um, the buckshot was the same one as they'd recovered from their vehicle. So they're like, it really appears they've been killed in their vehicle, brought here and dumped here. Mm -hmm. So on Christmas day, detectives found several latent prints when they were processed in the house, but all the prints found either matched family members or the two victims. So detectives believed it was possible that whoever killed the Morins likely knew them. They were like, it can't just be like random. That's so rare. Like it's gotta be someone in the family. Um, And since it is most likely that these are to be committed by someone, you know, they decided to like start interviewing like extended family members. And detectives also had a press conference about the case and detailed where the car was found and urged anyone who knew anything to call in. So a few people did start to tell detectives they'd seen a green car like that with an older couple driving and a man in the back. 
And many people in the Yardbird area saw a man leaving the couple's car, and it was a male who had brownish hair, potential facial hair, wearing an army-style jacket, and carrying an item that was, like, wrapped in a towel. Um, But brownish hair and potential facial hair, I'm sure that was a white man with brown hair, is probably half all the men in Ethel at this point. Exactly. Um, So the item did seem consistent with like a long gun and with the help from witnesses, law enforcement was able to form a sketch and release it to the public. So they did receive like thousands of tips at this point, but there was one that really stood out to the investigators. Um, So there was like this young man who was involved in some petty crimes, like his, you know, facial features had some similarities to the sketch. And this man was Ed and Minnie's grandson. Michael Haddlers. So Mike was known to steal, like even from his own father. Um, and he had gone into his father Dennis's safe and stolen money before. And he had been in trouble with the law for years. Like he's got a lot of just, you know, petty crime stuff going on. Mm-hmm. So police interviewed Mike, but he denied any involvement in Ed and Minnie's murder. Um, They asked him to take a polygraph, and Mike told detectives that that morning he was with his father going to work, like, pretty early in the morning. Um, He said they saw Ed and Minnie's lights on, and they thought it was odd because, like, they're not usually up that early. So they did remember, you know, driving by pretty early. It seemed like they were awake. Um, And Dennis Mm -hmm. did confirm Mike's alibi, and Mike did pass his polygraph, so he was eliminated as a suspect. So once they cleared Mike, they asked other members of the family to take polygraphs, but they all passed. Um, And so Mike was very upset at the time, like after being a suspect and asked law enforcement to go out and find the real killers. Like he's like, I can't believe you would accuse me of doing this. Like, please find who did this to my grandparents. So detectives tried looking into who worked with Ed and Minnie, but they just kept coming up empty. Um, They also kept trying to follow any leads generated from the sketch. But again, like nothing is just panning out. And seven years passed by with no answers. So in 1992, they recruited some other people to assist them, thinking that, like, maybe some new eyes will help reveal something. Um, So they started combing through these thousands of leads and saw one that said you should contact Robin Reif. Um, So Robin is the estranged wife of Rick Reif, and Rick and his brother John Gregory Reif were known by law enforcement because they were just always in trouble. Um, They were very close. They had a reputation for being rough, particularly Rick. Um, They're constantly, like, complaining about not having any money and, like, trying to figure out ways to make money basically they're just like really bad people like most people were scared of them um they were drug dealers and forcers they would threaten people very intimidating just you know not great people not the people you want around and like the people like when you're walking down the street everyone's like yeah don't look at them just don't yeah. don't do business with them don't buy drugs from them don't whatever you do avoid them Mm-hmm. Especially in a small town like this where it's like, you know who's who and they're like, mm, you steer away from these guys. Mm-hmm. So investigators learned that the Rife brothers had moved to Alaska in 1987 and no one locally had heard from them since. Um, so they decided to track down Robin and she was actually serving time in Arizona on drug related charges. Um, So they contacted her caseworker who agreed to put her on the phone um, and they called and said that they were working on a double homicide. And she said, you mean the two old people? So I think you know something here, Robin. This seems... Mm -hmm. uh, (laughs) um, So they're like, yes, they were killed around Christmas in 1985. And she said, well, I just dropped them off. So she said it was late at night on December 18th, and she dropped John Gregory and Rick off about a mile from the Morins' home. 
Later the next morning, she got a call from John Gregory saying to come down and pick him up. So they drove to the scene where she saw a body and she remembers Rick saying to John Gregory to get her out of there. Um, so now Robin is putting John Gregory and Rick at the scene where Ed and Minnie's bodies were found. So they were hoping that Robin's statement would be enough to charge and arrest the Rife brothers, but since she had a record, the prosecutor at the time didn't feel comfortable going forward based solely on her testimony. Because, I mean, you have literally nothing else. You just have this one person who's currently in prison mm-hmm. saying that these guys did it, and it's like, you know, you my estranged the- husband and his brother did it. So it's exactly. like, uh, is that going to hold up? Yeah, exactly. Especially you hear it so much, you know, oh, they're already in prison. Like, are they trying to get a deal? Like if they, you Mm -hmm. know, write out these people, is she going to get less time on her sentence? So they have nothing to corroborate it. It's like, you don't want to go to trial and lose based on flimsy evidence. Yeah. So three more years pass. And in 1995, which has been a decade since the murder, they still don't have enough to take the case forward because Robin was the only witness. So every six months or so, Detective Dave Neiser would call up just to, like, keep in touch with her, like, make sure and kind of, you know, maintain that relationship. Um, However, in 1995, her father answered and said that Robin had died. Um, So at this point, police are like, we're pretty sure we know who did this, but our only eyewitness has died and we have no other evidence. So 14 more years go by. So in 2009, the lead detective, Dave Neiser, retired, and the case was handed over to Detective Bruce Kimsey, um, and he was actually 10 years old when the murders were committed. So, like, to show you how long this has been, you know. Yeah, which I thought was just crazy of being like, yeah, that's how cold this case is. It's like, mm-hmm. now the lead investigator, like, lead detective, he was like, yeah, I was 10 when it happened. I remembered it, and it's like, oh, Yeah. Like, this poor family just lost their, like grandparents their parents Mm -hmm. like so close to christmas and now you've had to go all these years decades yeah yeah um so bruce kimsey decided to look into seeing like did rick and john gregory like have any relatives who they could speak to you know like this like we're pretty sure it was these guys so how else can we get this information um and so they did find a sister of robin so she said that rick and robin had came to her house that year um she said like Rick and Robin and their children usually weren't very clean and like their clothes were kind of, you know, older, torn, just not well put together. Um, But that Christmas, all the children had brand new clothes and Rick and Robin were both dressed nicely and had brought gifts for everyone. Um, She said that Rick also had a very large bag of cocaine. Um, So Robin's sister found it odd because Rick didn't have a job at this time. And like all of a sudden they have all these nice things. Um, And she said Rick was also asking if you could trace shotgun pellets. And then eventually was like, you know, that's stupid. Never mind. Never mind. Okay. Never mind. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Pass me back my bag of cocaine. (laughs) Yeah. So outside Robin's family, detectives tracked down another possible witness. Um, So when they spoke to Robin before, she had given them a new name, Les George. So Les was a friend of Rick and John Gregory. And prior to the murder, the three had been hanging out. And Rick was once again complaining about not having any money, um, which you could just like get a job also. But okay. So about a week before the murders, all three of them were riding in a car together and they passed the Morin home. So Les said he made a statement that was like, if you need money, they have quite a bit. Um, And Les also remembered Rick offering to saw down a shotgun for him. Okay. Um, And Les wanted Rick to chop it down so he could like put it in his pickup truck for protection. Um, Les said it was hard to get his gun back, but a few months after the murders, he did finally get it back. So like Rick was like, oh, here, like, I can saw it down for you. And then 
a while goes by and he's like, where's my gun? Like, can I have my gun back? Like, you're just supposed to be doing this Mm -hmm. thing for me and giving it back. And now my gun's missing for months. Yeah. Um, So when he finally got it back, he's like, "Mm, I feel kind of weird about this. Like, I think it might be connected to the Morin murders. Like, it was after that had happened. Um, They knew it was a shotgun. He's like, I don't know about this. Um, So he put it in his parents' like closet um and his parents also had a bad feeling about it so then his father threw it into mayfield lake he's like i'm done don't want it in my house just (sighs) um so the shotgun was never able to be located and they did believe that les felt intimidated and threatened which is why he chose not to go to law enforcement but like bro you're literally hiding and then throwing away the murder weapon yeah but i feel like this happens a lot in these like small town cases where it's like these two guys who you know i can you're like what am i supposed to say like Mm -hmm. i probably don't have the best history i don't fully trust law enforcement like they're gonna kill me if like they know i go to law enforcement about it like that's true it's like you come forward and either police think you did it and you're arrested because you mm -hmm. have a murder weapon or they arrest these other guys based on your statement and then you have to testify against them and then them and their family especially since they had no leads if you're like here's the weapon they're like okay handcuffs like (laughs) yeah yeah so yeah right, just I being like it. so like it's an it's an ongoing theme like with yeah. rick and john gregory people being terrified of them mm-hmm. and that's kind of why this case was cold for so long because they were such horrible people yeah um it reminds me a lot of the episode we did i don't even know how many months ago now um but the disappearance of laura bible and ashley freeman in oklahoma that for so long like everyone knew who did this but nothing Mm -hmm. came of it because it was this small town with these two bad men three bad men who had like so much power in the town that they were just easily able to intimidate everyone into keeping their secrets for them so it sounds very similar yeah so in 2011 detective kimsey presented the case to the prosecutor um they felt they had a good amount of evidence and the prosecutor agreed so the arrest warrants did come through on july 8 2012 um, but then detective kimsey learned that john gregory had actually died a few years prior in alaska um, so now detectives go to alaska to deliver the warrant for rick um, and of course rick denied any involvement and would not cooperate with law enforcement um, they told him he was under arrest and read him his charges. And the only thing he said was, well, I guess I'm going to need my medications. So the town was shocked because it seemed to them like this just came out of the blue. Um, most of the case against Rick was circumstantial until one resident came forward. So Jason Shriver had information. Um, he said he was on his way to get his wisdom teeth out with his mother and they passed the Morins in their car. So he said Mr. Morin was driving, Mrs. Morin was in the back seat behind him, Rick Reif was in the passenger seat, and John Gregory was in the back seat. So he remembered this because he's like, that seating arrangement is very weird. Like, why are they sitting mm-hmm. like that? Um, and they knew the Morins, so they waved, but nobody waved back. So after the murders, Rick and John Gregory saw Jason in town, and he was 17 at the time. Um, so they cornered him, and, like, they drove by his da- house daily. Like, they did whatever they could to intimidate him, and they're like, if you say anything about what you saw, we will kill your brothers, your mother, your father. We will kill you, your entire family. Like, they know that he saw him. They know that he saw them, and they were just, like, intimidated him until he agreed not to do anything. Mm-hmm. 
Um, but Jason does claim that over the years he had tried to reach out to the media and law enforcement, but it just didn't go anywhere. Um, he was interviewed in the documentary and is still like really upset about the whole situation. Um, he feels like that he betrayed the Morins. He's like, I just don't know how to get over that. But it's like, you were also 17 at the time and you're like terrified and what yeah, are you and I mean, to do? Think of how many people in this case didn't say anything because they were yeah. terrified and they were adults, you know? Exactly. Um, yeah. So in November of 2013, they went to trial and Jason was the star witness. Um, the courtroom was packed. I mean, this is a very big case for this small town. Um, so they believe that the Rifes went to the Morin house thinking they had money in the house. So it would just be like a home invasion robbery. They're like, we'll go rob you, take all your money. Um, but then they discovered like there was nothing in the house. Um, so that's when they went to the bank later that morning. So after they went to the bank, they took the Morins to the woods and shot them and dumped the car in the Yardbirds parking lot. So Rick was found guilty of two counts of murder in the first degree, two counts of kidnapping in the first degree, two counts of robbery in the first degree, and one count of burglary in the first degree, and received a sentence of 103 years. Um, so in 2014, Rick was also handed an additional six-year sentence for the sexual abuse of a 10-year-old girl sometime in the 1980s. Um, so again, this guy is just a general just piece of shit. terrible person. Yeah. yeah. So Ed and Minnie are buried next to each other in the St. Francis Xavier Cemetery in Toledo, Washington. And that is the horrific murder of Ed and Minnie Morin the week of Christmas in 1985. Yeah. And it's just so sad, like, how long the case went cold yeah. and how long the family had no answers. I mean, you didn't go to trial until 2013. Like, that's almost 30 years later like, like how many family members are gone now like how many like mm -hmm. the children who now have like the grandchildren who now have their own children who are like adults and it's just like it's so sad and, and especially being in a small town where it's like i mean i'm sure the family knew what the speculation was but that nothing could be done about it you know and i think mike said it in the documentary as well he was like i mean we didn't even really celebrate christmas anymore after that yeah, like how, how do could you, you? Like, how you know, and it makes me think of our Christmas episode last year mm -hmm. when the family's just like, we can't, how do you celebrate Christmas anymore after this no. huge tragedy happens? Like, it's just, you don't even want to think about it anymore. Like, you don't want to celebrate it. Like, it's just such yeah. a time of darkness, especially for so many years with mm -hmm. no answers. And especially too, I feel like if you lose a loved one, like any other time of the year, it's like that day is hard. Like maybe that month is hard, but like with Christmas, it's like the whole holiday season brings that back. You know what I mean? Like starting in like mm -hmm. the beginning of November until January, like that whole time frame is like the Christmas season. So like, especially if they had a Christmas tree farm, like everything related to it's like, there's no way to not be stuck in that year after year. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um. This is... Uh... <laughs> Always hard to, yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, Courtney, what is your perk of the week to end this on a on a positive note here? Okay, so my perk of the week, I'm making that last night. Kevin and I went out for drinks with uh, John and his girlfriend Alicia, um, and I'm saying this because he did call me out in person because I mentioned Friendsgiving and he wasn't there, and I didn't <laughs> mention him as one of my favorite people. <laughs> so, wow, Courtney, so rude. <laughs> I knew I'd forget some. I knew I would forget someone. And I mean, you I knew... did acknowledge that you were probably forgetting someone. So, 
<laughs> one track mind. So to make it up, um, here is my full perk of the week is you, John. It's it's you. <laughs> it, that's it. Um, so to make up for my shortcomings. <laughs> but um, yeah, so it was a fun time. We tried to go to a one of the bars here is like a holiday pop up kind of mm, thing, um, cool. but it was packed. So oh, he yeah. did not. Of course. It's very small, and it was like everyone was like standing shoulder to shoulder. So yeah, we chose to just go somewhere else where we wouldn't be bumping elbows with everybody in Knoxville. Um, but it looks Makes super sense. cool. So I'm gonna have to go on like a weeknight or something yeah, when it's not so fun. busy. Um, but yeah, so that's my perk of the week. Jacqueline, what's your perk of the week? Um, my perk of the week in the spirit of the Christmas season is just that my daughter is currently obsessed with like all things Christmas. Um, she absolutely loves the Grinch. She will ask to watch the Grinch 400 times a day. Um, <laughs> I remember today that she has a Grinch book that I put away last year. Cause I'm like, Oh, I'll save this for Christmas time next year. And then I found it in the closet today. I'm like, Oh yeah. And so she was super excited about that. Um, she loves all of our neighbors, like Christmas decorations and has to wave and say hi to them. Um, like mm-hmm. hi snowman, hi Grinch, hi every. Santa. She doesn't say ho, ho, ho. Um, Just all of the Christmas things. She has a little singing Rudolph that, you know, she likes to play and um, like she likes to turn on and have singing and play with it. She wants us to sing Jingle Bells nonstop now. That is her latest favorite song. I cannot Um, wait until she sees me in my Grinch onesie. She is going to lose her mind. Like, absolutely lose her mind you're going to be her favorite person for all of eternity (laughs) that's my goal is to be all of the children's in my life's favorite person ever (laughs) yes yes it's it's a very it's a very worthy goal um yeah so that is my perk of the week um just this lovely holiday season you know it's her second christmas but like last year you know she was a baby like she didn't know what the hell was going on so like now she like Mm -hmm. understands like the different christmas things and able to start doing some of those things with her and Courtney's sister is making us a customized um, like Santa cookie plate. So, you know, we can Aww, start that's cute. putting out cookies every year for Santa. And so she keeps texting me like, what about this and this? And because I'm like, I don't have any ideas. I'm like I can come up with something or if you just want to like run with it. I just want like a customized, you know, plate that we can use every year for Santa's cookies. So, yeah, super excited about that. That is exciting. Yeah. And if you want to tell us about your holiday pop-ups, your John, your, um, (laughs) your John, please don't send pictures of your dick. (laughs) Your friend named John, who you left out of your Friendsgiving, um, your holiday, you, you guys know the drill, all the fun stuff. We are on Instagram at Caffeinated Crimes Pod. We are on Twitter at Caff Crimes Pod. That's C A F F Crimes Pod. We are on Facebook at Caffeinated Crimes Podcast. Gmail at Caffeinated Crimes Pod at gmail.com. And if you are so inclined, if you want to send us a beautiful little Christmas present, we are on patreon.com slash caffeinated crimes where we are getting close to like 30 bonus episodes. We got a lot going on mm-hmm. up there. Um, all kinds of little fun goodies um this month we did a live watch of a christmas horror movie with patreon so if that's something that you guys would be interested in make sure and check that out yeah we got a lot of good perks going on over there so be sure and join or if you want to gift one of your loved ones a present and you you still need an idea get them a subscription to patreon just there you go as little as as little as three dollars a month guys yeah, you could just commit to a year for them, mm-hmm. and that's three times thirty six dollars, and you're done with their present. 
beautiful. Yep. Um, but if you don't feel like doing that or don't want to do that, um, you can, um, give us five stars on Apple or Spotify because that helps a lot or any other, you know, platform that allows stars or you can subscribe Mm -hmm. and like all our videos on YouTube. Don't down, don't, don't, don't down thumb it up. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, but yeah. Uh, but in the meantime, go have a cup of coffee and don't commit a crime. <laughs>